Good morning. It's Sunday, March 27th, and I am Wimala. And hold on one second because I left my glasses a few feet away. Hold on. So today is Sunday and we are having beautiful sunny weather today and it's very cold. So uh, I was laughing with my daughter yesterday. We were thinking, why do people in the Midwest get, why do we all get uh, like, oh, it's supposed to be spring. Why isn't it spring yet? Why is it snowing? Why is it so cold? And we were laughing because uh, she grew up in Wisconsin with we that's where I lived until about nine years ago and uh, we, you always have crazy weather in March and April spring doesn't really come until usually by May so we'll have a gorgeous day and be outside and then another day we'll be dealing with snow again I want to get my squirrel in there so we thought why do we do that we're human so thanks, Patty, for finding me. Uh, I, I was late this morning because I cannot figure out the new Facebook system on the Blue Lotus page. And that's where I usually start, and then I put it on my page later after I finished. And Facebook has a new look. It doesn't happen on, it hasn't happened on my personal account, but on the Blue Lotus account. It may be a business account. And I can't find, I, I worked on it for 30 minutes and the office will, is going to figure it out too, but it's a, somebody, uh, poor Tessa, the office needs to have a day off. So <laughs> she needs a break from dealing with everybody's problems. So we'll figure it out, but this works, especially when people can find it. So thanks, Patty, for being here. So it's kind of the reverse. Usually I record it first and then put it on my page, and so I'm having to reverse it. But hopefully we'll get everything straightened out and the new will become old again eventually. So I marked the place since my bookmarks have been falling out so that now we're starting. Again, we're reading in the heartwood of the Bodhi tree. I know this is backwards, so it probably doesn't help to hold it up. Um, the Buddha's teaching on voidness and the Buddha's teaching on by Buddha Dasa, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, a Thai, very, very well-known and uh, a very a great teacher from Thailand who died in the 90s and everything of his is translated into English and so many, I'm realizing so many of the monks that I've listened to and uh, people that were uh, uh, several of the people who are part of the Insight Meditation Society uh, studied with B Buddha Dasa, and there are many more people than I thought. I've loved his writing for a long time. And this is his, this, now that I'm kind of getting a little bit more knowledgeable myself on the path, uh, Buddha Dasa's teaching is really beautiful to come back to and understand more deeply. So, the he is telling us over and over again that there are only a few, there are only a few things really that the Buddha wanted, just that handful of leaves, not the whole forest of leaves. 
that were really important. They were the really important things that he wanted to teach people before his death. And voidness, or what we call anatta, that no self, this is not me, this is not myself, this is not, this is not mine, that that makes everything else kind of fall into place. So, we are already in chapter 11. This has not all been easy, but the last chapter we read, 10, which was uh, really good, contemplating dependent co-origination. So he's talking about how deeply this goes with us, this formation of uh, this self that we give ourselves and how deeply it goes from, so as soon as something comes into us for, from our senses, if it feels good, we want more. And that's when craving will begin. If we want more and more, we don't want the good to go away. Um, then we begin to crave it. We want it, we want it more. And then, if the chain isn't broken, right at this point, the next thing is clinging. Then we get to where we, we, we decide we need it, so we have to have it, or we, it needs to be ours. And it begins to define us, like so many things we think we can't let go of because they define who we are. Maybe our education, or our career, or our, our house, our car, whatever, we, we, we have to begin clinging to it, and that attachment is the is what the Buddha was trying to teach us to let go of that. And when we let go of that, we're tasting nibbana. When we can let go of that and drop it, everything falls away uh, that that keeps us from being totally free and liberated. And it may only happen occasionally, that feeling, but it's worth everything. And it also helps us understand the way this universe works. So now it's making more sense to us, right, as we read, and especially that chapter 10. So we're, let's start and read a little bit from 11, Sensory Illusions. Seeing the I and mine as an illusion by practicing the principle of dependent co-origination, and that's the Paticca Samuppada, is one path to understanding sunyata, or that voidness, or we often talk about anatta, like knowing uh, that there is no self, not, there's nothing to cling to. Now we will consider another method, seeing that even the sense objects, those, the sense objects, forms, sounds, odors, flavors, tangible objects, and mental phenomena are illusion. This second method involves an understanding of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not self. And we recognize those, the anicca, dukkata, and anatta. So those are things are impermanent. There, there is suffering, and there is no self. 
impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not-self. We must not take the subjects of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and selflessness lightly. They are not just issues for old people, nor merely words to be chanted when someone dies. They are subjects that we all must take up and use in our everyday lives. Anyone capable of using their understanding of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and selflessness to manage their daily life possesses the ultimate antibody. For such a person, forms, sounds, odors, flavors, and so on cannot turn into poison. Such a one has security, and he gives the Pali word for that is kema. Notice that the Buddha didn't take the word happy because that word can sometimes be misleading or even deception. Secure is good enough. It means free and peaceful. I've always been uh, concerned about using the word happy because we do take it so many different ways. And I think uh, kema is a better word. It means free and peaceful. We should be clear about the meaning of kema. It means secure from the disturbances. To be secure from the things that disturb us is to be void, which we now know is nibbana. If you want to secure life, you must rely on a thorough understanding of impermanence, suffering, and not self. Then you can withstand the forms, sounds, odors, flavors, and physical sensations that you experience without getting lost in aversion or attraction. There are just two kinds of confusion, getting lost in attraction and getting lost in aversion. I think we're seeing a lot of aversion in the world today, right? One causes laughter and the other causes tears. If one sees that laughter is just one form of panting, gasping, and weariness, and that crying is just another, and if one sees that to remain even-minded is better, such knowledge is security. So the two extremes are laughter and tears. We don't become the slaves of sense objects, laughing and crying according to their enticements, we are free, at rest, secure, to use impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and selflessness as a tool to govern our daily lives is better than lolling in confusion. We will be able to see that the sense objects are illusions. Just as we see I and mine as illusion, because they are conditioned by sense objects, so we see the sense objects themselves as illusory through the principle of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and soullessness. In this way, the disease of dukkha, which we usually translate as suffering, does not break out. Pleasant feelings is next. Uh, I have to I have to make one little comment when he talks about laughter. Um, staying even-minded is better. There are times for me when laughter 
with a good friend or with good friends over something that's just delightful and and funny has been one of the such a beautiful uh, antidote to <laughs> to being miserable over some of the situations in the world not laughing at someone's expense but just enjoying laughing with friends and uh, getting away from the seriousness of the world or the misery of the world for a while so I understand what he means, that they're just both extremes, but that extreme of laughter is pretty wonderful. Pleasant feelings. Yet a third method of contacting sunyata, and that's the voidness, the no-self, is to examine pleasure, enjoyment, and delight, sukha vedana, which would mean pleasant feelings. Sukha is happy, delightful, and Vedana's feeling. Pleasant feeling is an illusion because it's like a wave that only arises periodically. There's no reality to it. I am making this point because every single thing in every world is valued according to the positive feelings it provides. Really think about this. Why are you studying? Why are you doing the job you do? Why do you amass wealth and status, fame and followers, solely for the sake of pleasant feelings? If we understand just this one matter and deal with it correctly, everything will come right. So we must see positive feeling in its true light as one form of illusion. We must deal with happiness or pleasant feeling, sukhavedana, in accordance with its illusory nature. To develop an aversion towards it would be foolish. Okay, so this is an important, this is important. We must deal with happiness or pleasant feeling in accordance with its illusory na nature. To develop an aversion towards it would be foolish as would be getting infatuated with it and becoming its slave. To deal with it correctly is Dhamma, is to be a disciple of the Buddha, for one can defeat Dukkha and avoid suffering the spiritual disease. We deal with positive feeling by the method of contemplating its illusory nature, seeing that it's like a wave that arises due to, due, due to wind blowing across water. In other words, when forms, sounds, odors, and flavors approach, the foolishness of ignorance and delusion goes out to receive them. From that contact, the wave of pleasant feeling arises and then breaks up and disintegrates. If we look at it like this, we won't be its slave. We will be capable of dealing with pleasure in a way that is free from suffering. Our family will be without suffering. Our neighbors will be without suffering. I'm translating the word dukkha here. And the whole world will be without suffering. And we will be the root cause. If everyone understood positive feeling and was free of suffering, the world would have lasting peace and true enduring happiness. This is the benefit of recovering from spiritual disease through these various methods. 
One does not suffer from the disease of I or the disease of mine. Let's review the first set of these three practice methods and then sum up the essential perspective on practicing with sunyata. That's voidness. We can see the illusoriness of I and mine through the principle of dependent co-origination, and that's the paticca samupada, paticca samupada. The illusoriness of the six kinds of sense objects through the principle of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and selflessness. And the illusoriness of pleasant feeling through its wave-like nature. For any of these practice methods to be effective, we must look closely, be attentive, and have plenty of mindfulness and wisdom at the moment that sense objects come into contact by way of eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind. We Remember, we, we include the brain, uh, thinking, the mind, as one of our sense, sense organs in the Buddhist teaching. As the Buddha enjoined the venerable Bahia, let seeing be merely seeing and hearing be merely hearing. Don't concoct feeling, or a feeling has already developed that tonal quality. Don't concoct vedana, or if vedana, feelings have already developed. Don't let that go to craving. So... It's good. I think he's saying we have to be aware that that uh, those those feelings of pleasant and unpleasant they're like waves, and so th- those waves may come with a lot of turbulence. They may come. Uh, they may not. They may become more uh, uh, almost manic. So don't don't uh, don't be afraid of pleasant feelings. So if you if you see something and it's beautiful and or you hear a great story and it makes you laugh or feel really good, I think it's important that we understand what he's saying. Uh, we if we look at it the right way, that that it's a wave of pleasant feelings and it breaks up just like a wave breaks up at the shore and we understand it. If we look at it like this, we won't be its slave. We will be capable of dealing with pleasure in a way that is free from dukkha. And that way of being free from it is not to let it become craving. Because then that's what becomes that attachment, that clinging that we always talk about having to let go. And for for so many people, that's that's really confusing. How do we let go of the, uh, the people we love? Well, we just don't, we don't cling, first of all, and then we can, uh, we can have what, we can enjoy the pleasure, we can enjoy the, the beauty of those relationships without having them turn into something that uh, creates something negative like the clinging. 
Well, the next chapter is Practicing at Ordinary Times. <laughs> so this, okay, this was the next thing we're going to look at on Tuesday. He's going to talk about practicing. These ordinary times occur when we are doing some kind of work alone and unconcerned. So we might just be reading a book or doing our daily task. And then we look at how things, then he's going to teach us how we can start working with this. Instead of waiting until there's a crisis or waiting until we are, you know, we're so happy we believe it will last forever or we're so sad we believe it will last forever and we can't let something go. So the next chapter is going to be pivotable. Pivotal. We're going to learn how to work with it when we're not in one of those ups or downs and we can look and see in our daily life how to work with it, how it develops. That's really important. So why don't we sit a little bit? We don't have too many minutes, but we can sit. Um, since we started late, we can end late. And then I'll get this posted on Blue Lotus Temple as well. It's um, it's lovely to see some, some friends here that I haven't seen in a long time. So why don't we just sit and just uh, let the body feel. Let it feel kind of empty. Just let go of your thoughts. Let go of what I was just reading. If it confused you or if you really resonated with it, just let it all go. Especially if it doesn't make sense or you don't agree with it or it's confusing, really let it go. Let it go and just be, be in your body be aware of your body. Be sure you feel grounded or centered or literally planted on the earth. If you can feel your feet touching the floor, Or if you're outdoors and you can literally be touching the earth, that's even better. Just it feels good. Uh, and let your body feel awake. If you can feel attentive and awake, it, the posture is not really the critical part. It's being able to stay awake. And usually I like to roll my shoulders back. So you can be in bed, you can be in a chair, you can be on the floor, you can be on your back. If you can stay awake, you can meditate. And if you practice and you fall asleep, then you that's probably because you need sleep. So if the sound of my voice helps you fall asleep, use that as a way to help you fall asleep. But that's because your intention will be to go to sleep. If you want to stay awake, stay awake. You can 
Sit with your eyes open or closed. If you open your eyes, try to keep them kind of down, uh, gaze in front of you and kind of low, maybe five or six feet out in front, uh, lower, maybe lower your gaze to the floor, or you can gaze at some object in front of you. Just let that be the one of the focuses of your attention. In our tradition, we usually close our eyes, but if you're sleepy, one of the first things you do is open your eyes. And it's different teachers, I mean, it's okay, open or close. When we close them, it, it helps cut out a lot of that visual stimulation and it lets us focus on our other senses a little bit more. So as we begin, if we're practicing mindfulness meditation, we allow ourselves to take in all of those sensations, the sound, the touch. So if you feel cold air or warm air, or sun or shadow on your skin, the contact, or how it feels sitting with your feet on the floor and your bottom on a chair or a cushion. And be aware of fragrances or smells Aware of the taste in your mouth. Mine is dry. Everything we know and be aware of the thoughts. If your mind is really busy, you may have thoughts just coming faster than you can even uh, organize them, faster than you can you can, then you can even be aware of. That's our famous monkey mind. So in, in our teachings, as I said earlier, in the Buddhist teachings, the mind is considered a part of our senses. So we're also aware of what's going through. For me, it's like there's a ticker tape of thoughts. When we meditate, we don't repress those thoughts. We don't repress the other things coming through our senses. That's not good. We need to be able to feel what we, what's coming in that, that creates a feeling. So we can't work with this meditation the way the Buddha instructed us if we're not allowing the feelings to come in. And we know if we repress emotions that that's not good. It's good. It's better for us to let them rise up and then pass away. Uh, it sometimes it's very hard if we've repressed our emotions for a long time. It's hard to think of them as just that wave and the top of that wave that will break and disappear when it hits the shore. Because we've kind of concretize them, just made them heavy and solid within us by pushing them down. 
So we're not trying to repress anything. So just be aware of sound. An ambulance just drove nearby just as after I said that, as if it came in on cue. You probably can hear it. And when these things come into our senses, sometimes we want to immediately say, I don't like that. So our feeling, the feeling tone goes to aversion, especially if it's disturbing our peaceful meditation. You know, if we're doing something else and walking around and doing things, doing our work, um, we may we may never hear that sound, so we don't have a reaction to it. We just it's not do, bothering us. But when we are practicing being mindful, we we use bare attention, which is just that watching those watching those things coming in through our sense doors, but we're only picking up the sound. We're not judging it, being critical of it, uh, desiring it. We are just being an observer. We're not a judge. We just observe it. Oh, and see, it rises, and then it's gone. So now there are no sirens. But just like Buddha Das is saying about the happiness, but I'm not going to get so happy about no sirens because they're going to come back. I'm, I'm near near a busy street, and the the uh, police station is, and the fire department are not very far away. So those sounds that might irritate me, I'm not going to be laughing and rolling on the floor thinking they're all gone. They're going to come back. So, yeah, it's, it's pleasant when they're gone, but they'll come back. So how will I deal with it the next time? So we're all, we're always we always know typically life is swinging. It's like a pendulum from one from that um, attraction to things, that pleasantness, the pleasure pleasure of something, the agreeableness with it, or they're swinging to the negative, dissatisfied, unpleasant things being dissatisfied with what we're offered, uh, disliking things. So what we're looking for is a way to stay balanced in the middle because we know everything comes and goes, just like our breathing. We breathe in. We can't, if it's a beautiful breath, we can't hold it. We breathe out. We have to breathe out. So let's just sit for a few minutes.
body be aware of the breathing. Let the body do the breathing and just be aware of that breathing. Let everything go. Let go and let be. Just let everything be the way it is. Now, time to go. For me, if you can keep sitting and just enjoying being still and quiet, that's great. Keep sitting. May everything we do and say and think today not only be done for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all living beings. May all of us be well and content and peaceful. Thank you. Have a great day. Or have a have a have a have a good day. <laughs> great may be pushing it, right? Have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.